The following presentation is from Mountain Park Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good morning, Mountain Park. My name is Jan. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you. And yeah, as, as Greg was mentioning, if you don't know, we are in the midst of getting ready to move. And so our screens are down. We're, we're, we're running raw here on, on just what we have. And so we're really excited that you joined us. Now, you, you may be wondering, where is the tall, skinny, good-looking Canadian who wears glasses that's usually here and instead of the shorter squattier American guy who also wears glasses, who's here. Uh, well, 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 before I explain that, I, I, I want to ask a question, which is how many of you saw the, the fight last night? Some of you, okay. So uh, uh, how many of you were surprised it lasted 10 rounds? So I'm thinking that, you know, Conor McGregor, he's such a great showman that, that I should adopt some of his style when I'm teaching or preaching. So I should just do this from now on. You guys see that in the fight, those of you who watch the fight? Um, but no, so, so Alan today is doing something really, really cool. Um, we, today is a day that I like to call swap day, which means that Alan is actually spending his entire morning in our children's and student ministry. Isn't that awesome? He's over there serving our kids and our youth and letting them know that they matter. Those kids and those students matter to him. They matter to our church and they matter to Jesus, which is super awesome. And I thought, you know, that I might share with you what Alan's schedule this morning looks like. What it is that he's actually doing back there, what he did during first service and what he's going to be doing now. So I just want to share that with you. So at 9.05 this morning, Alan was back in our elementary ministry helping teach the Bible story. But, you know, we like to have fun. So he was in a skit where he got to play three different characters. David, Saul, and a nameless soldier. And during this skit, it may have been reported that Alan had to do his rendition of the potty dance. Uh, at 9.30, 9.45, Alan went to our preschool and toddler's rooms and he gave them stickers and said, hey, you matter. You matter to me. You matter to our church. You matter to Jesus. From 9.45 to 9.55, he took treats to our nursery volunteers. Maybe he changed a few diapers and held some crying babies and just said, hey, you matter to me. You matter to our church and you matter to Jesus. And then 9.55 to 10 o'clock, he was in our, L, our middle school with our middle schoolers doing something we like to call Canada trivia. And then uh, from 10 to 10, 15, he was in our Bible Buck Hut. Did anybody go by the Bible Buck Hut and see him back there? He was back there helping our kids trade in their Bible Bucks for uh, cool prizes. And then from 10, 15 to 10, 30, we decided to give Alan a break. So, hey, take it easy. Now, I tried to encourage the first service that, hey, that's the perfect time to go bear your soul to Alan, right? Um, and then uh, from 10.30 to 11, which is right now, he's in with our high schoolers, again going through Canada Trivia, and uh, he's going to be sharing a message with our high schoolers. From 11 to 11.20, he's a human prop <laughs> for an activity with our fourth and fifth graders. That's super top secret, but I will tell you it involves toilet paper. <laughs> Just saying. 
And then uh, from 11 to 20 to 11.30, he's going back to meet with our preschoolers and toddlers and say, hey, you matter. Give them some stickers. So at the end of the day, Alan's just going to need a big hug from you guys. Because after spending all day with him, he just wants to be touched and hugged <laughs> and spoken to. So uh, make sure you do that. No, he's, so he's back there. And, and, uh, and so we're, we're going to take some time today to talk a little bit about what goes on there while he's back there serving. Now, um, I want to just start by just acknowledging something that, that most of us don't carry around a felt need of saying, I want to hear about what God is doing in the next generation. We don't typically, we, we have so many things going on in our, in our lives. We have felt needs. We feel like, man, I need to hear from the Lord about forgiveness or I need to hear from the Lord about a relationship I'm struggling with or I want to hear from the Lord about, about this spiritual issue I'm dealing with. And often we don't have this inherent felt need that says, yes, I'm passionate about helping the next generation become followers of Jesus. And so I, I want to ask today that we open ourselves up to what God wants to say to us regarding that issue. Um, because for us as a church, this is a significant part of our mission. We recognize that we are one church, that, that, that is not, it's not just this room and that room, here and there. That what happens spiritually in our children's ministry and our student ministry is every bit as significant to God, as spiritually significant as what happens in this room. And so we're taking time today to kind of highlight that because it's easy for us to come in here every Sunday with these people and say, this is what Mountain Park is about. Man, this is what, it, what it's really about. And we hear the people next to us, this is the core, this is Mountain Park. But the truth is, on any given Sunday, there are 370 people in the other side who are learning about Jesus and growing in their faith. And they matter. And the work that Jesus is doing there is every bit as important as the work he is doing here. And that work matters to Jesus as much as the work he is doing here matters to him. And so just because they're under a certain age, just because they poop their diapers or they don't participate in general hygiene... Or just because their temper tantrums are more visible than our temper tantrums? Or because they're more honest than we're comfortable with about certain things? Doesn't mean they cannot be right now disciples of Jesus who love him and know what it means to follow him. In Mark 10, 13 to 16, there's this story I want to I tell you guys. And it's in a number, of, it's in a few of the different gospels. Uh, and the... And the, and the um, the setup is that Jesus is teaching a group of adults. There's a whole group of adults that are around him and he's talking to them and he's talking theology and, and this important stuff. And, and in the midst of this meeting of adults, here's what happens. People started bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. Of course they did because if you can imagine being in a lecture hall at college or going to see a speaker in a, in, a, in a concert hall and you show up and everybody's there and they're listening to that guy and then in the back all these moms come with these little kids and they're like climbing up on stage and try, you can imagine everybody would say, hey, this is not your time. It's not your space. We're doing something important here and you're ruining it. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. 
then do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. And there's a lot that we can learn from that passage, but I want to focus just on the big picture, which is, is what does this tell us about Jesus' heart and his mission? And one of the things it tells us is that Jesus' mission was not confined to adults. That, that Jesus didn't see uh, adults as more important than kids in his mission and in his teaching and in what he was trying to accomplish. That unlike anybody else probably at that time in society, he was willing to say to adults, you take a break. You pause. You wait. Because I'm going to invest in these kids. And so every aspect of Jesus' mission was, was expandable and was, was um, intended for kids and teenagers just as it was for adults. So when jo- in John 3.16 when he says, For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said that for adults. He said that for teenagers. And he said that for children. And when he said, the son of man, in Luke 19, 10, the son of man came to seek and save that was lost, he was referring to adults and kids and teenagers. And when he said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, he was talking about teenagers and kids and adults. And you ever notice how many times that Jesus heals children in the Gospels? And you read and it's so easy when we read those stories to think, well, yeah, he did that for the grown-up, right? Like the grown-up was like, oh, I'm so sad, my kid. And Jesus is like, oh, I'm sorry you're sad about your kid. Let me heal your kid so that you're better off. And there's a part of that there. But Jesus also healed kids because he loved kids. And he wanted those kids to experience his love and his supernatural healing power in a tangible way. Whoa, excuse me. Hello, stool. You may not have noticed, but I move around a little bit. Um, and so this is not something new. Jesus didn't start this. God started this long ago in Deuteronomy 6. He said, hey, uh, these commandments that I give to you are today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you go along the road, when you lie and when you get up. Psalm 78, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his powers and his wonders he has done. So the next generation would know them and they in turn would tell their children that they would, so that they would put their trust in God. That God's plan from the beginning was for his people to raise up the next generation to follow Jesus. That because the next generation matters to God. And because the next generation matters to God and matters to Jesus, it matters to us. We here at Mountain Park, we embrace that. We say, hey, we, our call as a church is to help raise up that next generation. Now, I'm going to make a kind of crazy statement here. That because kids matter and and youth matter to God and because they matter to our church, they should matter very much to you, to every single person in this room. Because when I say that part of the church's call is is to raise up that next generation, when I use that term church, do you know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about us, not the building, not the staff. Not, not the elite group of Navy SEAL volunteers who are willing to go work with the children or the youth. But we as a church, every single one of us in this room bears responsibility. And we are called by God to participate in this mission. 
And so I want to invite a couple people up who are on the front lines leading this. David and Kimberly, if you guys will come on up here with me. Um, yeah, you can give them a round of applause. Kimberly is the director of our children's ministry, and David is the director of um, our student ministry. And uh, we just want to take some time to ask about, about this mission and what it looks like for us as a church and, and what it looks like for you. And, and, and before we start, I want to just say a word of prayer and, and give us a, a moment here to open our hearts to what God wants to say to us today in this moment. So would you pray with me? Lord, we take time before we dive in any further to say, uh, we are open to what you want to say. We are open to how you might want to lead and guide us today. And, and Lord, I pray that, um, that you would communicate your heart, your mission, and how we as a church can get on board with what you want to accomplish. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, uh, Kimberly, we were just talking about how this mission of raising up the next generation is important to God, important to Jesus. Why is it important to you, David, I'll start with you. Why is it important to you personally, this mission? Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. So, uh, really, this dives into my story and uh, my upbringing. And so, for me, I was, I was raised in a church environment and a Christian home. It was a big, huge church, just like ours, right? So big. I, I tell people it's ironic. I grew up in a youth group of, like, four kids. Right. So you've already exceeded your expectations. Quite humorous, um, honestly. So, uh, so yeah, I actually grew up in a pretty small church. But uh, what I found is, as I was growing up, is fifth to sixth grade was a really hard transition for me. Because that's when I entered middle school years. And um, the, the way that all the classes broke out and all of that, I, I didn't have any of my friends that were in my fifth grade year go into my sixth grade year with me. Uh, they weren't in the same classes. And so I found socially that um, I was alone, right? And if we've all been in middle school, right, we can all admit, man, middle school is a hard time, right? <laughs> but uh, that, that's when it really just hit me in the face, man, I'm alone. And so I wanted to start being social. I didn't want to remain alone. And so I started looking for friend groups. And I found this one group and I was like, man, but, but any group I join, and specifically this group, I'm going to have to kind of change who I am to fit in with this group. Uh, I, I need to act certain ways or do certain things or say certain words, you know. Can you give us an uh, example, David? <laughs> no, I will not. I see some of my students in this room. I will not give you examples. Um, and so I, I, to fit in, I had to, to blend, right? And that meant I had to compromise um, foundational truths and values that I had grown up with to, to fit into those crowds. And so that was really the, the story and the, the, the chartered route for my middle school years was that to fit in socially, I, I kind of changed and, and compromised a lot of my values. And so what that ended up doing was creating, because my family was a uh, we-go-to-church type of family, um, is I began to have two different lives. And I, I had a church life, um, which really wasn't growing or flourishing whatsoever. And I, I had a social life. And my social life was taking over and was really leading my life, um, my holistic life. And uh, that, that was the story of my middle school years. But, um, you know, it's interesting, uh, at the end of ninth grade, there was a combination of a couple things. There was uh, a relationship that I was in ending at the time, uh, summer camp. Uh, it had to do with a girl, didn't it, David? There was a girl that was involved in that <laughs> oh. life. And, and that, that ended, and what I realized is all those relationships and all those things, the social life that I had invested in, 
it was all for nothing, that all of those friends fell away um, and really left me um, empty. Hmm. And, and so I was in a place in my life, and it was in that brokenness and that emptiness and that pain that I actually turned back to the Lord and the Jesus of my childhood uh, that I am thankful for children's ministry for. Um, and, and so I went back to that, and, and it's so interesting that it, it was at camp, it was at a church oh, cool. camp, where uh, I just recommitted my life to the Lord. And the Lord just showed me love and grace and told me, hey, it's okay that, yeah, you totally messed up these last few years, but that's okay, um, and just embraced me in my pain and my brokenness. And it's interesting because it was kind of a one-two punch, right? I think, like, Jesus would have won the boxing match last night, right? <laughs> if he was in there. Um, because it was a one-two punch. It was like, I love you and, and grace and it's okay. Um, believe in me. But then the second punch was a, hey, now follow me. Mm. Like, commit everything you are to me and see what it looks like to give up your hopes and your dreams and, and see what I can do with you and how mm. I can use you. And so for me, it was a very short time of, hey, Jesus wraps his, love, his loving embrace around me, and then quickly also a call to go to do more, something. to go do something yeah. with my life and with my faith. And so my passion for student ministry comes out of that pain that oftentimes middle schoolers and high schoolers can experience, the, the, the way that oftentimes they can live uh, two separate lives and not really commit to the Lord being their life, but also the beauty of wow, what does it look like for students to commit their lives to the Lord? And then not just to commit their life in belief, but in action. In action to follow after Jesus as Lord. Um, and so that's where my passion is really rooted, was in my story. Yeah, and so you had a place where when you were struggling with that, where you could go and people would, would reach out to you, speak life into you. And, yeah, definitely. Yeah, And definitely. invite you to camp, or make you go to camp, I guess. Yeah, there's some level of... <laughs> forcing, right, in that moment <laughs> in my life, in that season of my life. But, you know, it's amazing how the Lord can use uh, what is a you-will-do-this um, moment to, to something so much greater for His So life. parents, don't be afraid to make your kids do the right thing. <laughs> you never know what God might do. So what about you, Kimberly? Uh, wh why is this mission of raising up the next generation important to you personally? So for me, my, uh, my big story, when I was uh, about four years old, my family started attending a church in Southern California, and it was awesome. I mean, we had, my parents were serving. Um, I, I loved the stories and the songs that we would sing. And so the what chorus. songs would you sing? Mm, you know, Karaoke hour. <laughs> he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah, That's great. enough of that. But um, it was just... There was just like a light and a joy in that time. Um, the, the friends that we made loved mm -hmm. going. Um, my dad was in a pretty bad accident during that time. Mm. And this church community just came around us. They just, mm. they loved on my mom. Mm. They came and hung out with us kids while she was at the hospital with them. They brought us meals. Um, so it was just really this, what a church should be. They, they just loved wow. us um, right where we were at. And there was like five of us kids, so there was a lot of us to love. <laughs> <laughs> I know what that's like. <laughs> Those of you who don't know, I have five kids. Um, but at the end of my second grade year, uh, my dad took a different job and we moved. And we moved so you left that, that community of we faith. Left that, that community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, it, was, it was really hard at that age. I remember how, how difficult that was. And... Uh, but in my mind, like, oh, we're going to go to another church. It'll be all the same. And, and it wasn't. 
It, um, I don't remember making friends. I, I don't, parents weren't connecting. So uh, for what, what it, at that time, we didn't walk away from faith as a family, but we stopped attending church together. And so I spent the rest of my years, uh, I'd go to different churches with friends who invited me and parents would agree to pick me up and take me and um, kind of always wanting to get back to that, that mm. time and that, that joy that I found there, uh, picking up my Bible myself or um, got baptized in high school with FCA, but just tr always trying to get there. Um, and then when I had kids, of course, that's what I wanted for my kids. It right. was so important to me to find that for them. Um, and so that's just really why I understand as that four or five-year-old when everybody would look, you look at them today and think, they're too young. What are they learning? What kind of impact are you making? If, if you're a leader in this room, know they're, you're making a difference. I, as that four or five-year-old, I may not remember their name, but I certainly remember how they made me feel, what they invited me into, and this lasting impact that I wanted to get back to. That's awesome. I'm just curious, how many people in this room would say that you had a similar experience with Kimberly and the fact that, that you had a church when you were a kid that had an impact on you and laid a little bit of a foundation that you enjoyed? And just anybody? Wow. Look at all those hands. Because um, I think that's huge because part of what I hear you guys saying is that Kimberly is sitting up here today and David is sitting here as, as directors in our ministries because of people taking an interest in leading you spiritually and because there were churches that were focused on you and, and not just your parents. And how, much, um, how many Kimberly and Davids are in our doors right here today uh, or every week who that may be the same story? So that's really cool. So uh, tell me a little bit, Kimberly, about how do we actually do this? You shared some of the things that happened in your church growing up that are meaningful to you. What do we do to really pour into, into these kids and, and raise them to know Jesus? So in children's ministry, one of the things that we are really intentional with is um, one particular is called the phase project where we have just done a lot of learning um, and researching on. And what we found is that Kids at different ages are asking a different internal question. And so for a baby, it's, am I safe? And so what that means for them is we're providing a safe nursery environment. So as they grow, they're building a foundation that equates safety and church. Mm -hmm. As they grow, you've got your kindergartner and first grader who are wanting to know, do I have your attention? <laughs> what? Yeah. First so, graders and kindergartners. <laughs> yeah. Right. So when they're asking that question that you're like, where is this coming from and why are you even wasting my time with it? No, they're just really wanting to know, do I have your attention? Do I matter that much to you that you would stop and give me that attention? Mm -hmm. uh, by fourth grade, uh, they're starting to notice how they compare to each other. Um, and they're wondering, am I good enough? And so for us, what that means is that we need to uh, provide small group environments. And that is for an elementary kid, that would be a one to eight ratio, one leader for every eight kids. So the leaders are able to say, yeah, you have my attention. Mm -hmm. uh, for a fourth grader, they're, being, they're able to understand what are they being challenged with, being able to pour into them, talk to their parents about it, what's going on at home so that they can, they can team up and partner with the parents to actually um, help the child through that. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've got the other piece that's, it's, it's fun. Let's face it, they're all motivated by fun. It's a universal love language. And so the other thing we do is we intentionally 
program fun into our Sunday mornings. And it might be, it's through our skits that we do with the kindergarten through third graders. It's with some wild games that we do that actually teach the story. Uh, it's through our fun days where we, they're encouraged to just build friendships that they want to come back to. Which, by the way, we're having one on the 10th, our last Sunday here. It will be epic because it's our last Sunday here and we get to do all kinds of stuff that they'll never have a chance to do. So, uh, they told me I can't give them hammers, but other than that, we're good. <laughs> you know, I, I, lo- I love what you're saying too because um, just as I'm listening to you, Kimberly, you, one of the things you said about the church that you grew up in, that you started in, was that you connected and made friends. And, and then when you went to the new church, you didn't have that connection. Right. And that's one of the things that, that small groups are really good for is that, hey, I actually, I'm not just a nameless kid of 30 or 40, but there's someone who knows my name and other exactly. kids. Exactly. Uh, someone who knows when I'm not there and is yeah. going to follow up with me or knows, um, you know what, I was upset about my, my grandma was ill and can follow up with me. Um, but I also just want to let you guys know, if you walk down that hallway and you're like, what are they doing? They're just crazy. There's, is there anything really going on here? When we, we program the fun, science, science proves this, that it actually, it presses the save button in their brain. So they're learning those lessons. They're remembering them. They're taking them with us. So it's just really important to us that we intentionally program that fun in. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you, uh, you guys have small groups as well, right? I'm pointing at you with my pen. Ah. <laughs> That's probably threatening, isn't it? Depends which side. Yeah, no, we also run small groups. Similar thing. We also study the phases. What questions are middle schoolers and high schoolers engaging in? How can small group leaders walk through life with them? Our, our goal is to have a small group leader start in sixth grade with a student and, and walk through that student for seven years, um, which is significant. I mean, you can really see life change um, as a result of those relationships and students' lives. So everything, everything we do involves uh, a breakout of a seven to one ratio is our goal. Mm-hmm. And so uh, like part of what you guys, that I hear you saying is, hey, small groups is where discipleship happens, right? Like the kids, they can hear a message, students, they can hear a message, but small group is where there's a leader who's saying, hey, let me help you process what this means for you in your life. Let me remind you of who you are in the Lord and let's talk about uh, how you move forward in that. And that's really cool. Um, So uh, how, um, I was gonna make a funny comment that's not funny. So you just watched me self-edit right there live. Um, Hey, there's, a, there's a first time for everything, right? Hey. Oh. <laughs> this is the man working with your yeah. students, ladies and gentlemen. You guys are getting a little glimpse of what the office is like during <laughs> the week. <laughs> um, uh, so how, so we, 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 we talked about how um, this mission is something that everybody in this room is called to participate in, in some way in. So, so uh, David, how... How can, can everybody here, whether they're a parent or not a parent, whether they volunteer or they don't volunteer, how do they participate in raising up this next generation to love and follow Jesus? Yeah, uh, totally. And, and maybe some of you are sitting here and you're like, man, what does this got to do with me? And, and this is it, right? Like this is the, the diamonds and the rough. I don't know. I'm not trying to call it Aladdin? a rough. Um, <laughs> check this out. First off, I, I do want to acknowledge everyone who does play a significant role. Sure leading the ministries. I, I like look around and I see really cool t-shirts all around the room. If you guys ha- are or have served in children's ministry or student ministry, can you just raise your hand like straight up, not like a side up, like a straight up. Thank yeah. You. We're, I, 
rubbing shoulders with other uh, leaders around the valley and around the country, we have more leaders in our ministries than, than many. And that's, that's awesome. awesome because that's we're awesome. able to get that down. And so one rule is um, maybe the Lord is calling you to go and to interact with students or children. But they smell right? so bad, David. <laughs> just the two and unders, okay? Um, or sixth grade. Just just or sixth, sixth graders. Too, yeah. Axe. <laughs> We're going to start a new ministry called Axe Distribution. If you have a sixth or seventh grade boy, you just get free access. Yeah. Axe Donation Center. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, maybe the Lord is calling you to, to step out and to interact with, with children and students. Maybe, and I believe anyone has the ability, and the Lord has the ability to call anyone to be able to do it, because I think everyone has the ability to listen. I think everybody has the ability to do life alongside. Everyone has the same amount of time. It's all about us prioritizing our time and saying, hey, I choose to cut out X amount of time to invest in doing this. Okay, we're all given the same allotment of time. And so I believe the Lord can call you to it, and I believe the Lord can call you to it because of those things. And so maybe that's it. Maybe it's stepping out and, and saying, I want to play a significant role. Because there are things in our ministries that we want to do that we maybe are not able to do right now because we don't have the leadership to be able to do it. And so if we could get the leadership to be able to do it, we could do more for the kingdom of God. It's a direct equation for that to be able to happen. And so that might be one thing. The second thing that I believe everyone can do, because I don't believe the Lord calls all of us to go work with children and students. Okay? We might overwhelm the nursery if we all try to walk into the <laughs> nursery and serve all the time. It could be this, and I think that this is true for students and children, is that when we are a church living in authentic faith, when we are a church that, that unanimously says we are giving our lives and our hearts to the Lord and pursuing this, uh, this Christian walk passionately, that it changes the atmosphere for our children and our student ministries. And for students, I think of specifically because students doubt everything. And they're looking for possibilities and opportunities to doubt. And when they see us as the models of the church not living our faith authentically, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the first thing that they say is, this is all fake. This isn't real. They don't really believe in a Jesus. Their lives don't model it. And so they begin to doubt. And so I think as a church, if we can commit our lives to authentic faith, I think it changes everything. And so what that looks like, uh, you know, in worship, worship authentically. Uh, in your questions, Wrestle with the Lord authentically. Mm -hmm. um, and you're serving. Serve authentically. And when you leave, be careful on what you say in the car on the ride home. Okay? Uh, yeah, right? Like, I don't, for my parents, we went to church. We were the Bible-going church. But guess what? When we went home, we had dinner later that Sunday night when my parents made comments about so-and-so frustrating them or this service role not being that great or yada, yada, yada. That really impacted my view of the church. And we don't realize we're doing those things, but when we can live on authentic faith, it, it, more than anything, it impacts the next generation. So, I, I, sorry. No, yeah. I love that comment because uh, as parents, we have to remember that what we say after church and what we do with church is every bit as important to our kids and our, our youth and those who are watching as what happens in church. That if, if, and if, I, um, if we go to church, and I never talk to my kids about what happened in church, that the message that I'm sending to them is what happens in, on Sunday stays on Sunday. 
That doesn't ever go beyond that. that. Yeah, if I don't ever say, here's what God is working in me through church, I don't ever engage them. They think it just, it's just its own little thing over there. And so having those conversations on Sunday in the car, on, on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, by the way, uh, while that's on my mind, we have a really awesome app that helps you with this called the Parent Q app. And, and kids, if you, kids like it. And kids, kids love it. Kids like want to do it. Yeah, like we, we, will, we will gather every night with my kids. We'll all go in one bed together, my three-year-old through my 12-year-old. Uh, good luck finding activity that can engage your three-year-old through 12-year-old. But this app has videos on it that my kids love. And we watch together and we talk about um, there's, there's uh, points and, and scriptures and, and teaching, th- teaching points you can reiterate to your kids. And it all ties in exactly to what they're learning or talking about on Sunday so you can have those conversations. Sorry, David, I'd interrupted you. Please continue. You got my thought. So, oh, wait, there it is. In There's your one thought. Thank you. Uh, yeah, in conclusion, I, I truly believe everyone has a role in this. And, and, and I think maybe we get creative with what does that look like, what does that mean. Maybe that doesn't fit the, the traditional, uh, you know, in the traditional box, either I serve or I parent. Or, uh, but I think everyone has a significant role in this in the church. And... Can, and you, can you give me an example, like for these folks who are here who are not volunteering, who are not parents, what can they do today when they leave here or, or next week when they come okay. that would help that? Here's what we do, right? We like plot right here. We like walk down to the lobby right when the high schoolers let out. Everyone just goes nuts. Yeah. <laughs> really freak them out, okay? Um, no, it's Do it's a human that. tunnel? I, for... I think, yeah, for some of us, maybe it's taking a step out to what the Lord's calling us to to volunteer. Maybe for some of us parents, grandparents, it's engaging the next generation that is our family, okay, with what we were talking about, mm-hmm. maybe the Parent Q app, acting genuinely at home, living authentic faith in your own walk. Uh, and, and here's something if you're like, okay, I don't really want to do either of those things, um, and so now what? Uh, maybe it's this. Um, I don't know if you notice, I notice because I lead the ministry. Sometimes at church, we're kind of like um, oil and water, and that like when, when all is said and done, we leave, we run the lobby, and students are with students. And adults are with adults, and, and children are just kind of running all in between, right? <laughs> and there's not a lot of natural mixing that happens with that. And I get it. I think some of that's natural. But what does it look like for us to, to step out and to go, uh, when you see a little group of students, uh, just walk over to them, hey, I'm so-and-so, what's your guys' name? Where do you guys go to school? Uh, what's your favorite thing to do throughout the week? An activity, a, a sport, an extracurricular? Like, what do you enjoy? You know, those are three questions right there that anyone can walk up to a student and ask. Okay? And, and it's just beginning to break down some of the natural segregation that, that happens even in our Sundays. And, and saying we want, to, we want to be one unified church. Not just in us saying that, and that sounds really pretty, but in us doing it. And I... So I think that as you're talking, I'm imagining, like, when you, when you ask me to go to a group of teenagers, I regress all the way back to being a freshman in high school and imagining them as all the seniors being like, like I think I sometimes... Think hormones work like that. <laughs> but I think that sometimes, like, we imagine, like, going to a group of teenagers and introducing ourselves is, like, scary to even us as adults. We wonder, like, will they feel intruded upon or, or anything else? You have just gotten permission from our, our student ministry director to go up to students and let them know that church is a place where adults care about them. It doesn't mean you have to get it all up in their business, but it, that we are... Do you a, know Jesus? 
<laughs> That's the fourth question. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that, please. That makes a welcoming environment. Um, but no, that we are a place where teenagers know, hey, church is a safe place where adults care about you. Where, yeah, an adult may say, how are you doing? Or, yeah, an adult may say, I'm so-and-so. Because we are a community of faith. And does that look different than the real world? Yeah, sometimes it does. And we're okay with that. Um, great, thank you, David. Uh, you know, final question. Um, it's, it's one thing I love about uh, Mountain Park is that our focus is not just coming to church, but it's being the church. And so we talk about how do we realize our role in God's story. And, and so we recognize that, yeah, we come to church in order to be spiritually fed, but church is also a place where we contribute to the spiritual life of other people. And you guys incorporate that in your ministries so that kids and youth understand, hey, this isn't just a place where I get fed, it's a place where I can feed others as well. So really quickly, just if you could just share one or two ways that that happens in your ministries. Kimberly, we'll start with you. Yeah, with kids, it's just... They, even so young, they want to serve, they want to help, they want to be the one to turn the light switch off for the movie, or the toddler is going to want to help you fold the, la fold the laundry. But, um, so we're always looking for ways. Uh, Altitude 45, which we've started, our new fourth and fifth grade ministry, those who stay two hours, we're now moving them into serving uh, through helping prep projects for Sunday, helping with the tech uh, for our kindergarten through third large group, um, collecting the children's offering and counting that. Um, and then, and all of that offering goes, goes to, to Children of Promise, children of Promise which, which is uh, their underserved kids throughout the, the world. Um, and so the kids get to learn about how their penny or their dime can actually change a child's life, um, which is huge to them. Yeah. And my kids, one of my favorite things that they, one of their favorite things that they love to do is when they get to go on stage. Is when we're teaching yeah. a Bible story and they get to go and participate and be Goliath or be Noah or be whoever um, and, and then experience that. And then they come home and they remember and they want to tell me, hey, I did this, hey, I did that. And that's, that. yeah, and they really remember it. Uh, David, what about you? What's, what's a, a way that you see that happening? Yeah, service is a huge value in, in our student ministry. So we've actually formalized it. We've said, hey, we want to we wanna make this a formal part of the ministry. So we have something we call serving teams. And there's actually eight high school serving teams and four middle school serving teams. And it's so cool. We've been advertising this, uh, the start of these teams since like the beginning of August. We've actually had um, like 125 registrations to be in service teams throughout the ministry. 125. Which is... That's like 75%. That's about 75% of, of the ministry right now. And so it's uh, so cool to have 75% of our kids serving and engaging. Uh, they realize that coming and, and, and doing Sundays is incredible, getting... Uh, the word spoken over them, worship elements like that, but also that the Lord is calling them not just to belief, but to action. Mm. And so and so they're acting upon that. And that's something that we celebrate in our ministry. It's awesome. Um, I mean, when yeah. you think about it, we've got 75% of our students who are serving and, and really 100% of our kids are, are in small groups. And I just, I, I think, what would our church look like, adults, if 100% of our adults were engaged in community with eight other people who are, who are living life together and encouraging one another, what would it look like if 75% of our adults were engaged in, in serving in the mission of our church? It would be pretty awesome. And so in some ways, I, I think uh, our kids and our, our, our students are leading the way, uh, which is a really beautiful thing. Uh, so, hey, thank you guys for sharing some time with us. Can we give them a, a round of applause to say thank you? Um, if, 
if you don't know David or Kimberly very well, you, you haven't spent time with them, I encourage you to go spend time with them, talk to them. These are two people who love Jesus and love the next generation, and, and I love working with them, so I encourage you to talk to them. So uh, what does all this mean for us? Well, well, quite simply, I want to bring it back to what we started at the beginning, that everybody here has a calling on your life in some way, shape, or form to help the next generation experience the love and truth of Jesus and to follow Jesus in their life. And so how do you do that? What does it look like? Does it look like saying hi to a teenager? Does it look like going to your neighbor's house and pouring on their kids? This past weekend, I had two birthdays at my house. We were really ambitious and decided we'd have a 10 o'clock birthday party for my five-year-old and then a one o'clock birthday for my eight-year-old. Holy cow, I'm not doing that again, but it was great. Um, we might do it again because it was really fun. Um, but uh, that was an opportunity for us to pour into the next generation. Okay? And so how does that, what does that look like in your life? Okay. Uh, I'd like to just close in prayer. Would you please join me? Lord, we, uh, we are here today as your people that you have called us, Lord, um, out of, of whatever life um, we used to live or whatever life we could have lived if you were not present and you've called us into a new life, a life that is abundant. A life where we are not only experiencing you, but where we are sharing, sharing you with others, where we are contributing to the spiritual life of others and specifically to the next generation. So I pray today that uh, as we walk out, that you would keep in our hearts and our minds your passion for kids and teens to know Jesus and to love him. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm.